welcome back. You're watching Stock Watch with me, Bright Kumalo. Tackling your stock-related questions this evening is JP Fester from Protea Capital Management. Uh, send those questions via SMS to 41392, email stockwatch at bdtv.co.za or tweet us at Business Day TV using the hashtag stockwatch. I guess uh, what I should have said, JP, is that it's JP and Bright today, or JP and the Dividend Papi. Yes, and hopefully we'll both be bright and give good answers. Uh, but it's uh, it's good to be on after I wasn't here two weeks ago, so we're making up for it by just being you and me tonight, right? No, so no, thanks. no. That's that, that's fantastic. I'm more than happy to have you. Actually, um, we, let's look at the local markets. You know where we close today. I mean, uh, we sort of had you know ups and downs locally, but I see uh, the past two days were not so bad. But with that said, it's not actually miners leading us up. What's going on? Exactly. It's almost miners putting pressure on the market the last few days. Yeah. Uh, as you've seen that um, people are increasingly concerned about a potential recession globally. Yep. And uh, a recession is not good for growth and therefore not good for the use of commodities. Uh, so it's interesting how the narrative has shifted from, say, two weeks ago, where everyone was scared about inflation, and therefore buying commodities because commodities are a good inflation hedge to all of a sudden being concerned about growth and then selling commodities because uh, commodities don't do well in a growth environment. So a big shift in the narrative and therefore a big shift in commodity prices, whether oil or other commodities, gold has been under pressure. And therefore, in our market, you've seen pressure on uh, the big miners. The rest of the market have, has done okay. Uh, now special process um, the last day or two has, has, has looked a bit better. Uh, but the commodities has been the big swing from two weeks ago to where we are today. Yeah, and I mean, if I could just add there and, and talk about international markets, I mean, we saw the U.S. market uh, yesterday, you know, pre-market, we're in the green, everything was going well. Uh, we're trying to basically carry on, you know, the, the rally from Friday, but unfortunately we coughed up, uh, you know, or coughed out all of those gains that we saw. And uh, during, you know, the whole trading session, we just... Uh, you know, screwed the pooch in the last hour and we ended in the red. Um, I see, well, pre-market I saw we were in the green and I'm, I'm guessing we're still in the green somewhat, but those markets can tend just like that to show you sort of where the market is in terms of, uh, you know, sensitivity. Uh, the good news offshore, I guess, is the fact that, we, it's, you know, we slap bang in the middle of earnings season. So there will be some outliers uh, as compared to the performance of the market. So whatever you hold in your portfolio is going to matter a lot, uh, you know, in the next Definitely. couple of days. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's jump into our question. We have a first question here from Eden on Twitter. Uh, Eden Nene saying, uh, good evening. Uh, can I have the panel's view, views on Aspen, please? Um, mm. Are we still talking about Aspen in terms of, you know, the vaccine and uh, all of the good news that was surrounding Aspen, I mean, uh, that pushed the share price once upon a time up a lot and then not so, not so much these days. Exactly. So, so again, in the case of Aspen, <clears throat> what has been driving the narrative is mostly the vaccine that they were going to manufacture for Johnson & Johnson. Yeah. And on the back of that, a lot of excitement in the price. It ran up quite strongly. Up until, say, um, excuse me, six months ago, when uh, it seemed that uh, there were no orders for these vaccines. 
and uh, therefore Aspen share price has been under pressure. Only in the last month or so has it um, found uh, support again. Yeah. And uh, I think we are all waiting now for the next results. They've got a June year end. So those will be scrutinized when they are released in, say, roughly a month's time from now. And what we want to see is the rest of the portfolio, um, how the rest of the portfolio is doing, and also because currency has got a big impact on Aspen's results. Uh, the weak euro would not be that good for them. Uh, so we wait to see the impact of that. So it's a bit of a wait and see in the case of Aspen because the portfolio looks also a bit different than what it uh, used to look after a, a few sales of some of the operations. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and therefore, the focus will be on what Aspen looks like now and how much cash was generated to continue the deleveraging of Aspen uh, with the vaccine story now firmly behind. Yo, it's going to be very hard because uh, it was one of the, you know, unique stories as a vaccine play, um, you know, in your portfolio with local companies because not many of them actually had the opportunity. But our government had one job and they even failed that, ordering some vaccines for cheap from Aspen, please. Oh, my word. Um, let's not dwell too much on politics. Uh, we've got a question also on Twitter from Indy Pile. Uh, asking us, um, you know, why is PPE still not recovered? Actually, this is a good question. <laughs> why has Purple Group, ha uh, you know, even bounced back? Uh, or maybe should I put the question differently? Maybe there was too much optimism priced into that share price and it's sort of leveling out nicely. Exactly. I, I think that's the answer. If you, uh, you know, there, there are two ways to look at a, at a share price. The one is you focus on the rate of change. So if the underlying company is showing an increase in profits, is showing an improvement, one would expect an improvement in the share price. Yeah. But the other one is to look at the absolute level of the price versus the value of the company. And what one often has uh, is that for a long period of time, as the company uh, increases its profits, the share price will increase. But at some point in time, the company is still doing better, still improving, but the share price doesn't continue improving. It actually comes down. Yeah. And the reason is because the share price pulls away from fair value. It rises too much to the point where it becomes too expensive relative to the underlying value of the company. And that probably is the case of Purple Group now, where it just became too expensive. And that's why, even though the company is still doing well, uh, it, it, it is too too discounted in the share price. The share price is too high, and that's why the share price comes lower, even though there's nothing fundamentally wrong with the company. And it happens in markets, so I wouldn't get too concerned about it. Yeah. The question is, is it so expensive that even with a long-term view, it doesn't make sense to buy shares at this price? And uh, you really need to plug in a very high growth rate yeah. uh, for uh, uh, the group to, uh, to justify the current share price, still, even though it has come down quite a bit. Yeah, so in that formula, the G needs to be really high um, to see, you know, the, the kind of growth that you've seen in, in, in recent days. And unfortunately for those who bought at the top, I mean, you know what they say about pigs, right? Um, we have another question. Let's switch actually to um, our email. We've got Pabalelo, uh, who says, hi. Uh, I hope you're well. Standoff shares are low. Can the panel give a sense of whether they are worth buying for the long term? Uh, what do the projections look like? I don't know, man. We don't, we don't do models on this show. It's stock watch, <laughs> not models watch. 
So conceptually, the Steinhoff share is actually like a long-term call option on the underlying investments of Steinhoff, yeah. which is principally uh, uh, Pepco Group in South Africa, or Pepco Holdings in South Africa, and the Pepco Group listed in Poland. Uh, the debt of Steinhoff dwarfs those two assets, the value of those two assets. But the debt is going to roll up for the next 10 years. They don't need to pay out cash to furnish or to service the debt. So what that means is if the debt increases at, say, 10% per year, which is roughly the interest rate of the debt for the next 10 years, if they can grow the value of PEPCO and PEPCO at more than 10% per year, the company, Steinhoff, might be worthless today, but it could be worth something in 10 years' time. And there's a certain rate at which that happens. And it's probably roughly 13 to 14% per year. So if the PEPCO price and the PEPCO price rise by, say, 14% per year, in 10 years' time, there'll be value in Steinhoff. If they rise by less than that, it means they don't catch up by the value of the debt. And that means that when the debt needs to be repaid, at some point in time, 10 years' time, they can't refinance, then they've got a problem. So that makes the sign of share price very sensitive to what's going to happen in 10 years' time. And it really is a speculation. Because today, Steinhoff, one could say, is worthless. But in 10 years' time, it could be worth something if those two underlying investments do very well. Yeah, that's a big if. Because, I mean, I don't know. I don't see the, the asymmetry there in, 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 in that analysis. I mean, it sounds like a, a gamble, like you said. It's going to be a very hard one for, for those who, you know, saw a very sh low share price in Steinhoff and, and just, you know, put in a couple of bucks there thinking it's going to go up just because the share price was down a lot. Maybe it's another reminder that some of these things are down and they're down for a reason. Um, we have a question here about transaction capital. Uh, TCP has really been pulling back strongly recently, down about 28% over the last three months. Are there any fundamental issues driving this pullback, or is it mainly negative sentiment with rising interest rates, which could increase non-performing loan provisions? So this is a very technical question. Yes, it could be the higher interest rates, and what that means for non-performing loans on the loan part of the business, including SA taxi finance. Also, when interest rates are higher, um, it means that affordability of cars decreases. Yes. And that is not necessarily good for second-hand car sales, which is slightly negative for people like cars. The transaction capital is the majority shareholder. So even though, similar to the, the previous discussion on Purple Group, the yes. underlying businesses of transaction capital are still doing well. They might be doing slightly less well as what they were, say, a year ago, but still growing their profits and doing very well. But the share price ran ahead of that. The company became too expensive. The group became too expensive. So the share price is just now moving closer to fair value. So I still think transaction capital is a very well-managed group. It's got a collection of great businesses. Um, maybe some pressure because of the short-term interest rate rises, but it just became too expensive and now it's trading closer to fair value. Before we, we, we get back to our questions, let's talk about uh, what you've seen so far in terms of uh, U.S. numbers. We saw, uh, I think it was Thursday, a couple of banks, including BlackRock, came up with their numbers. Uh, some really good, uh, but mostly banks have shown you know, profits coming down a lot, except with the exception of uh, yesterday, Goldman Sachs, which 
you know, they, they basically said they enjoyed the volatility in the market and that's what's keeping them, you know, above water. But Bank of America also, you know, the trend is just profits going the wrong direction and the share price obviously, uh, you know, reflecting that. So where are we in terms of, you know, what you've gathered so far for offshore earnings? Yes, so uh, as you say, second quarter earnings of 2022 being reported now started late last week, so for the period ending in June. And you always have the banks and financial companies being the first to report. Um, so those have actually been mostly above expectations. So while you say that certain profits on a bottom line basis were lower than a year ago, yeah. A lot of that is because of increased provision. So the pre-provision profit of the banks Correct. were mostly slightly higher than a year ago, which is very good. Yes. And all of the commentary regarding the U.S. banks has been positive. A lot of the CEOs are saying they're seeing strong demand for loans. They're seeing strong spending that they see in the credit card data. They're seeing um, still that the finances, savings of investors and consumers, even though slightly lower, are still healthy relative to longer-term trends. Yeah. So um, so all the, the, the commentary of the bank results that we've seen in the last week has been very positive. Now, the other big companies will be reporting in the coming two weeks. It will be fascinating, for instance, to see a company like Facebook, which reports in the next few days, yes. uh, what they will come out with. Netflix is coming out tonight uh, after the U.S. close. And... Um, it, uh, it will be interesting if we can see outside of the financials if the, if the results that are released for the single are still above expectation. That um, seems to be the market's expectation the last two days because we've seen a very strong U.S. market yesterday and again today, yes. uh, except for Apple. Like you mentioned, there was a bit of a wobble when Apple uh, announced that they're going to cut some staff. Yes, yes. But outside of Apple, it does seem like investors are positioning that we will see an earnings season where most of the results are actually above expectation. Yeah, and if you look at, you know, the expectations across Goldman Sachs, um, Wall Street Journal, uh, Economists and Bloomberg, you're seeing they expect earnings to grow by a mere 4%. So it tells you that uh, we've grown quite a lot in the past year and it's going to be very hard to match those type of earnings. I mean, if the average growth of the whole entire S&P 500 is expected to come out at 4%, it's going to be interesting couple of days coming. But yeah, I'm looking forward to those numbers, especially Netflix and, uh, you know, meta platforms, like you've said. Um, Netflix being aftermarket today, but J&J numbers were, were quite interesting and they were positive and uh, I like those. Um, so yeah, uh, the stalwarts, uh, you know, they, they, they're working hard for the portfolios, keeping them stable, <laughs> to say the least. Um, we've got a question here from Zumbaristo, uh, which I don't want to explain what, th what that means. It says, I just read an article saying MTN is a, volat a volatility hedge. Your views. And then on email, we have a, a different question from Sana uh, saying, greetings. I wanted to know if MTN is wor worthy of being bought at these levels and if it's the right time to do so. So two very different questions but same company so let's start with the first one jp can we call mtm a volatility hedge i'm skeptical yeah i, I don't think so so um mtn itself is is quite volatile you just need to exactly. pull up a graph and you'll see you know it went up a lot and then the last three months it's come down a lot and can you uh, put that and, chart and can you put that chart up for us there yeah 
So maybe you can say, you know, it was sort of a straight line up and then a straight line down. So that's not very volatile, but it, but it's still up quite a bit and down quite a bit. So no, I don't think it's a volatility hedge. It is uh, a share that in itself is is quite volatile. Um, obviously, at the moment, there's the speculation about a deal after Corsini was announced by both MTN and Telcom that could suppress the volatility if it um, means that there's some deal based on a ratio of MTN shares to Telcom shares. But we don't know if that will be the case. We don't know if there's going to be a deal at all, depending on the regulatory hurdles that must be crossed. And um, Telcom is, call it 10 to 15% the size of MTN, depending on what a deal value might be. So it's not bad material. So now I think MTN um, will continue to be volatile. And secondly, below 140, I, I like MTN shares irrespective of what happened with the potential telecom deal. Um, things have settled down in Nigeria. That's still, still the biggest cash cow for MTN. Um, you know, with oil prices high, it means a lot of the geographies in which MTN operates are healthier. The state finances are healthier. The consumer finances are healthier. So I like MTN, yeah, actually, below 140. So you, 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 you're bullish on MTN below 140. That's interesting. And... Do you see this deal actually going through the, the competition commission? I mean, like you said, it's, it'll only be a small portion of MTN's overall earnings, but the issue is that of competition locally and actually seeing, for example, data prices coming down. And, um, you know, it's good to have three different companies or more, four different companies fighting for the spectrum, uh, meaning you know, the, it'll encourage competition, you know, in the broader scheme of things. But if we, if we just, like, combine everything, it's going to be very hard. And uh, you could see some prowse gouging here and there. And obviously, I'm not putting ideas in the heads of, you know, the, 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 the individuals at the competition commission. I'm just saying theoretically. Yes, look, if you think about MTN uh, and Telcom, Telcom has got a few different businesses in the group. Yes, You've got the towers business, you've got the back hall, uh, more fiber-related business, and then you have Telcom Mobile. Yes. And you have BCX as well. So the only area where I see a potential issue is in the Telcom Mobile business. If you look at the other bits of Telcom, there shouldn't be too much in terms of competition concerns. Telcom Mobile is the concern because you could potentially have MTN taking over Telcom Mobile, and then you have two big operators, Vodacom and MTN South Africa, and then a very small player being Celsi. Yes. So they might be um, a question mark whether there shouldn't be certain guardrails uh, regarding the Telcom Mobile business. Maybe MTN will be allowed to take over the whole of Telcom except Telcom Mobile. Yes. And they might need to list that separately, unbundle that, sell that to Celsi, do something with it. Yeah, um, or, or, so or create an opportunity for private equity guys. They're always on the lookout, right? <laughs> Correct, correct. So we don't know exactly what the, uh, what the Competition Commission might say, but that's the only area for me where they might raise some concern. And then lastly, obviously, there's, there's politics involved, even the big state, state shelling of Telcom. 40%. And with yeah. politics, it makes it even more uncertain. Sure. At, the, at this point, I mean, uh, I think we're speculating at this point, so let's not dwell too much on it. But, I mean, any cash uh, for the current government you know, it'll go a very long way, I would like to think, but also I don't want to see them sell a good asset, um, you know, just to plug in holes, um, 
you know, that are going to be leaking again in two weeks. So that wouldn't make any sense. So you don't want to throw, you know, money at something like that. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm conflicted on what they should do with their stake, to say the least. Uh, we've got a, a question here from Estelle Mayberg, uh, who says he wants to add a, an ETF to her portfolio. Um, I don't know. I don't know if we are ETF watch, but we'll give it a go. Um, she says she's, is it the right time to buy the Signia Itrix MSCI US? Uh, that's a mouthful. Uh, or wait. So she's looking to get exposure, I'm guessing, into the S&P 500 because I think that's what this thing tracks, right? The MSCI USA? Yeah, it, it might be the MSCI US in, index, which could be very similar to the S&P 500. What I would say is it's it's never a bad time to buy an ETF if you have a long-term horizon. So it has been shown that market timing is just about impossible to get right. You can look at valuations as an indication of the market being maybe overvalued or undervalued. But you only really see that near market turns when the market is very cheap or very expensive. Yeah. I would say at the moment we're at neither one of those extremes. So that means that Anytime you have extra cash and you can buy into the market in a widely dispersed, diversified portfolio, whether an actively managed one or a passive one like an ETF, it would make sense. So uh, rather sooner than later, rather more often, even if it's smaller amounts, but any extra cash you have that you can put in a broad index like this one, I think is a good idea. Yeah, I'm always... Um a proponent of you know the much broader diversified ETFs not these two specialized uh, ETFs that don't make any sense and then you know you end up losing the whole point of why Jack Bogle came up with a you know an index fund to begin with so um, I, 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 I always, I'd always you know like something like that I know that the Signia ones uh, tend to be much cheaper than the market averages but you have to do your own homework there obviously um, we have about two minutes, JP. So what's your stock pick for this evening? Hmm, my stock pick tonight is a company listed in London. It's called Admiral Group. And it's an insurance business. So South Africans can think, for instance, like uh, Outsurance. This is the UK equivalent, you can say. And the share price has been under significant pressure. It's just about half the last six months or so. And that's because of two reasons. The first one is higher interest rates, so that's not good for, for any growth companies. And the other one is that in the UK, the insurance market has been under pressure because inflation has been high. So the cost to repair cars if they've been in accidents is high, while premium inflation has not been high. So the rates for, for insurance from a, a, a customer's perspective have not been increasing a lot. And that has not been good for any of the insurance players. It squeezes their margin. And we saw a profit warning from one of the competitors' direct line in this last week. And that precipitated then further pressure on the share price of Admiral. The good news for an insurance company is every year an insurance uh, uh, contract comes up for renewal. So that means when you have this problem of your premiums being too low relative to your claims, at the worst it takes one year and then the company, if they have the discipline to do this, can increase the premiums and offset the cost pressure. So in the short term, there's clearly going to be pressure on uh, Admiral. Yeah. But in the longer term, 
I do believe that they will increase their premiums substantially more than what they are currently. That will offset our inflation, and, and therefore they'll be in a much better position a year from now. So Admiral is my stock pick at this point. Okay, thank you very much, JP. If you substitute Admiral and you put meta platforms, you remove words like, I don't know, um, premiums and you put ad revenues, you sort of get the same picture uh, for the long term. There might be a lot of volatility uh, in the interim, but uh, you know, going forward in the next three or so years, uh, where Instagram is going to stay stable um, and the company, sorry, Instagram and uh, you know, Facebook is going to lose a bit of uh, you know, it's users, but Instagram is still going to stay there. And I think it's still going to attract a lot of um, attention from people who want to put their ads out there. And the beautiful thing about, uh, you know, Facebook slash um, meta platforms is that it's so big as compared to what everyone is worried about right now, uh, which is expected to actually increase, um, you know, their revenues to 12 billion US dollars this year, which is TikTok. Uh, but this, this company is still going to make quite a lot of um, you know revenues when it comes to the top line so I don't know in the next three years it seems like a safe bet as well if you're looking for an alternative investment and with all that said thank you very much JP thanks to my guest JP Fester from uh, Proto Capital Management a stock watch is back again uh, tomorrow same time same place have a good evening <laughs>